This is the Chiefs' official podcast network. Take advantage of the day. When you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play. The playmakers on three. One, two, three. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. All right, everybody, welcome to this edition of Defending the Kingdom. Mitch Holters with you, voice of the Chiefs, along with 10-year National Football League veteran Sean Barber, a.k.a. Barbershop, a.k.a. The Shop, a.k.a. Spider-Man, a.k.a. whatever you want to fill in here. <laughs> uh, our, our Chiefs uh, Podcast Network is brought to you by the incredible folks and people at 360 Vodka, uh, the official vodka of the Kansas City Chiefs, a perfect for the holidays. And by the way, happy holidays and Merry Christmas to everyone. Perfect for your next tailgate coming up for the Chargers game Kansas City's own and the official vodka the Chiefs Kingdom 360 vodka what an interesting game we have coming up this week as the Chiefs take on the Chicago Bears and I know you probably knew this cat barbershop but his name was Lucius Apulis I think A-P-U-L-E-I-S Lucius Apulis because in 150 AD in ancient Rome He's the one that came up with the phrase, familiarity breeds contempt. Ooh, I like that. Meaning if you know somebody, you don't have as much respect as you should have. This week, with the Chiefs playing the Chicago Bears, I'm going to switch it up. I think it's familiarity breeds respect because we got a lot of ties with the Chicago Bears and the Kansas City Chiefs. We're going to get into that a little bit. But it does, uh, with Matt Nagy taking over Chicago, and I remember when he left, and we had long talks uh, prior to that time, because is he going to the Colts? Is he going to the Bears? Where is he going? But Matt Nagy, uh, now the uh, head coach of the Chicago Bears. But it brings up, in our first quarter of our Defending the Kingdom podcast, honestly, one of the more underrated stories, I think, in the NFL, and that is Andy Reid's influence on the entire league. Think of these franchises that are under his direct discipleship. Mm -hmm. Buffalo, Philadelphia, Chicago, Baltimore, Indianapolis, the New York Giants with Coach Shermer, um, all trying to replicate what's happened in Kansas City over the better part of seven seasons. So here we are, Barbershop. Andy Reid's influence on the entire National Football League. Yeah, you just read it off. Six teams and five out of six are still in playoff contention. 16 week 16 of a season mm. and five out of six teams the coach has some level of influence on are still in the hunt if not already guaranteed a first or second seed um that's an amazing uh detriment that's an amazing quality the coach has of rubbing off on guys um early in their career letting them know um how important it is that everybody gets in front of the media everybody learns um, multiple positions um he expects guys to transcend from being a position coach to a coordinator, from a coordinator to a head coach. That's the normal track um, he sees guys uh, coming into the league and expecting those type things. I remember uh, years ago when I was at Philly, uh, we had a number of coaches that would, tr- would go from one position to another. Um, special team coach ends up being a linebacker coach. Offensive line coach ends up being a defensive coach. Um, D-back coach coaches the linebackers. It wasn't that you wasn't good at your position, but he expected guys to want – at some point, to be a coordinator, and to be a coordinator, uh, you had to to learn all levels of the defense, all positions of the offense, or special teams, and then at some point in time, be ready to be a head coach. Um, he did a great job of getting guys ready for that, as he does here in Kansas City, by making all the coordinators um, answer questions from the media, answer some of the tough questions, and not you know hide behind the head coach. 
he uh, when Nags got the Chicago job, the Chicago media had me on several different locations, and they said, "What about this guy?" I said, "Honestly, I think because Nags is wired the same way as Coach Reed, he will start to transform your entire franchise within a couple of days." It's yeah. what Andy Reed did here. Now you got the great perspective shop because you didn't start with Coach Reed. <laughs> you didn't start with him. You started with other folks yeah. when you were in Washington, but you went to Coach Reed eventually, and. That gives you perspective because if all you have been around Coach Reed, um, I think you can get spoiled here a little bit because to me the biggest attribute, and I think Nags would agree with me in what Nags learned from Coach, is Nags gets the human spirit. Mm-hmm. Now he, Coach, Coach Reed can sit here in X and O's with anybody, but he understands how to motivate, how to discipline, how to uh, put people in position, you've already alluded to it, to train them. He doesn't stand in the way of somebody's progress, but he also knows that's part of feeding into somebody's soul and getting the most out of them. Yeah, and, and part of, like, when you look at athletes coming out of college, young men playing a boy's game, playing a, but he realizes, like, hey, this is, this is your career. This is what you're passionate about. If you do it the right way, um, you do what you're told, be accountable, um, treat it like a treat, treat treat your job like a man, like you care about it, and really put you know your faith and um, and, and your family and football in the proper priorities. We can all be very successful. You can be you can you you can be an all all pro player. You can be a great asset to this team. But he also realizes some guys they need to be cut in order to grow, and that's tough for some coaches to realize. Like they see a talent and they want that talent to work on their team so bad, they'll hang on to them too long. They won't. They, they'll let the guy rot on their team before another guy, another team can benefit from him. Coach has never been that way. He understands the necessity to uh, motivate some guys, and sometimes he has to realize he's not the person that can motivate them. It takes being jobless sometimes. It takes being without a home, without a job, without a check, for some guys to realize how important football is to them and to make that a priority, and then for them to take the steps needed to keep. Uh, progressing and trending the right way as a football player. And if there's one person that comes to mind with that, it's, it's Marcus Peters. Marcus Peters is a better football player now, today, because Andy Reid had the uh, foresight to realize at that point here in Kansas City, there were some things going on where he didn't take football seriously enough. Same thing for Kareem Hunt and, and a number of players that you can go down the line that are better football players now that they've left this organization. But in that case, in those cases, I saw Coach Reed give a lot of latitude. He gave them all kinds of opportunities and chances. Uh, or he's seen, I've seen it with a lot of different players mm-hmm. in seven years. Uh, but he seems to know how to motivate. The other thing is, and I, and I see this with Nags too, when he was offensive coordinator, co-offensive coordinator here in Kansas City. Keep in mind, he along with Mike Kafka and others were a big part of Patrick Mahomes' apprenticeship season. Oh, definitely. When he sat there and you know was waiting as the backup, basically uh, learning under Alex Smith and others. But Nags is a big part of that development. But being secure in who you are as a coach and as a person, when I've seen errors made in this league, it has been because of insecurity. I'm gonna, I call it the jellyfish syndrome. I'm going to put out ink blots like I'm really big, bag, and tough. And really inside, I'm insecure. Coach Reed is so secure, he's not going to block guys from getting jobs. But I've seen that now emanate from these other disciples. I saw yeah. it in Doug Peterson. I see it in Matt Nagy. But being secure in who you are as a coach, to me, lends itself – coming across as real to your players and your locker room. Yeah, you understand that your staff, um, you want you, definitely you want to keep the best assistant coaches around your players as possible. But you also realize that there, there are guys that are transcending 
um, being in your locker room. There's guys that um, deserve the opportunities because they've given you so much. They've dedicated so much, sacrificed so much to your organization that as a coach, it, it does you just as much joy seeing them be successful other places. And by them guys leaving, it allows other guys to rise up, step up to the plate and grow. Whether it's the players in the locker room or the coaches uh, coaching the players. Uh, Andy has done a great job of uh, molding and setting a, a, a pattern and a, uh, and, and, and a way for guys to uh, matriculate up, up, upstream um, and, and, and work on their resumes and work on their, um, um, their abilities to um, continue to seek um, head coaching jobs and coordinator jobs. But while they're here, they're, they're still demanded um, to give their best. And that's one thing I think when you talk about other teams I've been a part of, um, I, can, I, can, I can definitely say when I got drafted and I, got, and I went to the Washington Redskins, that was not available in the building. Hmm. Uh, the, the building was an offensive-minded coach. Um, coach Noah Turner, bless his soul, is a great offensive mind. But when it comes to being a head coach and holding everybody in the building accountable, creating a path and a vision for everybody to follow, I don't think he possessed that ability for me as a player. And so I had to find it elsewhere. And sometimes you find it in other players. <laughs> and, and as you know, sometimes you're, 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 who you mentor, who you follow, is not always the best <laughs> person to follow when it comes to some of these vets. Hang out all night, party all night, fly to Vegas on Friday and back on Saturday. Those type of uh, adventures make the season uh, sometimes uh, a negative more than a positive. But Coach Reed, not only uh, secure in who he is, but willing to teach as well. All right, this is going to be the 10th different assistant he has gone against. He is 11-6. and six. You can go right down the line. Dud Peterson, Sean McDermott, uh, Todd Bowles, Pat Shermer. Son is here now as a practice squad quarterback. Ron Rivera recently let go in, in Carolina. Leslie Frazier, Steve Spagnuolo, Brad Childress, who's on Nagy's staff, and uh, John Harbaugh, the coach of the Baltimore Ravens, who's the flavor of the month right now in the league. Anyway, coach is 11-6 and six against his old uh, disciples, not say old, his disciples, and he's 6-2 and two when he plays them on a second time. But very interesting as we go now, to the second quarter of this Defending the Kingdom podcast, which is Dueling with Disciples. Familiarity breeds respect. Not what that dude said in Rome in 150 AD. This is 2019. Uh, and the second part has to deal specifically with this game. Chiefs against the Bears. Familiarity breeds respect. And going up against Nagy, not only Nagy, but Brad Childress, Childress's son Kyle, who worked for coach for a while. Mark DeLeon was a linebacker coach here. You were in camp, I think, with him. Brock yep. Olivo uh, helping special teams. And Dave Tobe's son, uh, the chief special teams coach, is on the Chicago Bears staff. How much influence can you have X's and O's and going, oh, I know what Coach is thinking here because he's going to move Rook to night three? <laughs> I think it's going to be interesting, uh, definitely for the media. Uh, there's going to be a lot of stories written about it. But in a realistic uh, viewpoint of it, when you look at it from uh, like a bird's eye view, our defense is night and day from what it was last year. So there's no carryover uh, that Coach DeLoney would have, um, like knowing Bob Sutton's defense. Um, Coach Nags, uh, his years spent here uh, practicing against uh, Bob Sutton's defense, all of that is out the window. And so unless you actually have some uh, somebody that was a part of the staff when um, Coach Spagnuolo was with Philadelphia or uh, the Giants staff that knows part of his defense, um, they have the same advantage as anybody else. They would just have to watch film, try to figure out as much as they can through film work, film study. Um, defensively, you would think the Bears might have some um, some familiarity after going against their own team's um, offensive sets and formations and the way um, Nags would try to 
carry over, you know, the majority of this offensive philosophy to the Bears. But the one thing that's different about the Bears offense than our offense is the MVP. It's Pat Mahomes. You can't run everything that Coach Reed does here at another organization unless you have that piece of the puzzle. That's a very <laughs> that's a very unique piece of the puzzle. Um that makes things go. That's the cog that makes things go here in Kansas City. Um, even though we were trying, to, we, we we made it through a few games with Matt Moore under the the, uh, the 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 masterpiece, the the missing link sometimes in our offense is um, the ability to uh, Pat Mahomes to, like he says, spin it no matter what. Eb, I can spin it in all conditions. Uh, we saw that before the the snow game versus Denver. Him talking to Eb. Letting them know, hey man, I can spin this thing no matter what. <laughs> he loved, and he said, "Man, I think I love playing in the snow. <laughs> Get a little more tack on the ball." Um, okay, so you you mentioned that. So here's Mitchell Trubisky, the Bears quarterback that snags his guy. So Nags apprentice, help apprentice Mahomes for that 17 season, leaves to go to Chicago, and now he has the quarterback who was selected in the draft eight picks before Mahomes. So it's a real interesting situation for Nags. However. People have kind of been on Trubisky. As I've jumped in and studied him this week, I'm like, well, what's wrong with him? He's got 17 touchdowns, 10, 10 picks. Okay, there's been some inconsistency, but the dude's been on fire pretty much here for the last month of the season, and he can run the ball. I talked with Spags earlier this week. He has 40 runs, and some of those are big, 23-yard touchdown. Go back and look at his run against the Cowboys. 27, 27 of those 40 runs have been at Soldier Field. Yeah. So now – I mean, Trubisky and what he brings to this game, familiarity breeds respect. I think there should some respect level, and the Chiefs have it, that the uh, national media doesn't necessarily have for Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, the national media have been eating him up. I think it's being the number one pick. Um, all those things come into fold um, as high as he was drafted. Is he the B student compared to the A student? Is that what we got? <laughs> I, I think this, he, he's been put into some situations in ball games where everything was on his shoulders. And there was times last year where he rose to the occasion and you saw Matt Nagy talking to him on the sideline. Like, I want you to go out and win this game. I want you – this is your game to win. He put it on a platter for him to, to rise up and win those games. And unfortunately, this season, in those same situations, it's been a turnover. It's been a sack. Uh, incomplete pass. Drop ball. Um, the defense rises up making a play. Those things just hasn't happened – um, organically as much. He hasn't um, been, been victorious and been an overcoming achiever um, late in the game, late in the downs, um, right before the half, as much as he has uh, a year ago. And when you look at it at home, um, I think he's been a different quarterback. I think he's been actually very good at home uh, where he's familiar, um, using his legs to create some first downs, some touchdowns, create some positive plays, get some momentum. And their defense actually plays a lot better at home. And so collectively as a unit, the Bears team, they're a different beasts at Soldier Field, at uh, at Chicago than they are on the road. And I think, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs, we, we, we're taking them seriously. The organization is taking them seriously. It doesn't matter what the media says. Uh, this Bears team has no give in them. They're not going to give up um, on the season. Um, they're not going to give up on their head coach. They know Coach Nagy has a lot invested in this game. Uh, a lot of their coaching staffs uh, want to prove something to Kansas City. So we got to go in there and take care of business. And It takes a focus and a pursuit of passion, of excellence, um, to go in there and get it done. Yeah, I agree totally. That's why the theme of this Defending the Kingdom podcast is familiarity breeds respect, yes. not contempt. Um, and and. 
dueling with disciples here because this is a very intriguing game of this thing going back and forth. We're at halftime uh, of this Defending the Kingdom podcast. A shout-out to all of you. Man, this has grown. We just feel the growth throughout the kingdom and all around the world that have listened to these podcasts. We've got a big group in Virginia and Maryland, and, I mean, the East Coast is loving this. Um, but this is, you know what to do at halftime, 12-minute halftime in the NFL. On this podcast, you get a second. That's it. So take a breath, go to the restroom, uh, get a bit of orange, and there it is. Now we go to the second half. So uh, people know how this works. So we go to the third quarter, and this is part of Nags and Coach Reed. And to me, one of the biggest attributes of Coach Reed, I mentioned his security and who he is and how he kind of breeds through that, uh, breeds that through the entire organization. But the third quarter – I'm putting it on as unicorns on thunderclouds. By the way, this one, uh, this podcast brought to you by 360 Vodka, the official vodka of the Kansas City Chiefs. Unicorns on thunderclouds. Okay, it's December. I'm losing my mind. Here's the point. Coach Reed could be a CEO of any major company, I think, in the country. Nags also has that kind of acumen. I picked that up from him being around him. Like, he is sharp, bright. And here's the biggest issue, is dealing with adversity. Mm-hmm. Every year that Coach has been here in Kansas City since 13, I can bring up a point. I call them flashpoints. And some flashpoints are firecrackers. Other ones are dynamite, where they can just take your season and completely wreck it. Coach Reed's ability to deal with adversity has been, I think, the most underrated part of him being here and dealing and navigating the Chiefs through flashpoints. Let's take this year. We're, we're closing in on 230 quarters lost by our starters since the beginning of the year to injury. And here the Chiefs are, 10-4. and four. Coach's ability to keep the ship in the water, and now Nags is in that same spot. Mm-hmm. Barbershop, he didn't think he's going to be 7-7. Seven and seven. The anticipation was, remember the double-strike field goal by uh, Cody Parkey last year? They're right there. What do we have said it? What did we said all fall? you got to climb Kilimanjaro every year. You don't go back to the double-strike kick. So, Nags now is dealing with adversity. He's done it this year. He's brought him back time after time. To me, that means they'll be ready to go in this game, Chicago Bears. But coach's ability to also handle flashpoints and navigate icebergs. Yeah, we talk about you talk about flashpoints, icebergs. Um, it's it's a mindset, right? Um, Coach Spags probably one of the greatest coaches. Is developing a guy's mind, his mental strength to understand what is it to have a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, and that's a whole podcast in itself. But having a growth mindset is the way you accept what life deals you. You can look at a loss as being a loss, a a non-winning effort, a a mark in the L column, or you can look at a loss as being a chance to get a lesson, to learn from why you didn't accomplish your goals for that day, why your team didn't overcome, why your team wasn't successful, why your team wasn't victorious. And that happens on and off the field. Um, Some of the things you mentioned was injuries. Um, We talk about things off the field, guys missing time because being suspended, um, those type of things, players having to leave the team because they do things um, outside of the the white lines. Um, But then also actual game losses, the tight end game loss, Mm -hmm. the Green Bay Packer. Some of the things I think about that Green Bay – Green Bay Packer game is it challenged us as linebackers, the core linebackers. How are we going to go throughout this season as far as man-on-man coverage versus very, very uh, fundamentally sound, elusive running backs? You know sooner or later you're going to see a team that uses a running back as a wide receiver or a tight end as good as Kelsey, elusive. Um, how, how are those matchups going to be handled when the time comes? We persevered through a Green Bay Packer game, giving up 
way too many yards to the running back position used as a wide receiver. And it forced our defense to make an adjustment. So we learned from that loss. It's not something teams now can use to – because before the uh, Minnesota Vikings game, you heard about it. Um, before the last game against the Patriots, we heard about it. And everybody wanted to look back at the Green Bay Packer game. But we learned from that. We've used that as a way to grow as a defense. And now you have to try to create another uh, way to beat this defense. And every time our defense for the last four weeks have stepped up to the occasion and are playing lights out right now. And I turn back – we can turn back to the page of those lessons learned at the Titans game, at the Packers game. Some of those lessons we learned during those losses are the reason why this defense is playing so solid, so lights out right now. Growth mindset versus fixed mindset, right? Is that what you said? Yes, sir. Loving that, man. Way to go, shop. Um, but I, I, I feel you. And, and those became big areas of covering the running back in the passing game, a big reason why the Chiefs beat the Chargers in Mexico City, a big reason why they can match up a little better against the Patriots now because that's what killed them for the most part. Uh, people saw Gronk and stuff in the AFC Championship game, but that game in particular in Foxborough in 18, it was James White who's just going crazy on him mm-hmm. as a receiver, as a running back. Well, Okay, that leads us into this week because Terry Cohen does that for the Chicago Bears, a really good receiver as a running back. Um, and so uh, this growth by the Chiefs defense uh, with the linebackers and growing from adversity, um, you know, I, I joke about it, but finding unicorns on thunderclouds. I was asked earlier this week by Chicago media, how's Nags going to handle this season? Like, I said, how's he going to be in this game? Mm-hmm. And how's he going to handle the season? I said, he's going to keep chopping wood. I said, he's going to try to use this as a teaching. But I said, he's going to come after the Chiefs as hard as he's come after anybody all year, even though they're out of the playoffs, because people think they're going to check it in. Uh-uh. That's not the way Nags was trained by Coach Reed, and it's not the way he's wired from his background. He's going to try to find some kind of unicorn in a thundercloud to use because this game would be huge for him to build in to 2020. Yeah, and next, he's, he's in those meetings where our offensive coordinator uh, stripped down defenses and realizes that defense they were playing um, in 2018, 2017, they had a weakness at linebacker, a weakness at safety. How does Coach Reed and his offensive say How do they attack that weakness? Nags was a part of that. Uh, that building phase. He knows the philosophy of how to attack weaknesses that teams have in those positions. And so it would be almost, you know, it, 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 it wouldn't be beyond me thinking he's going to use some of the same um, philosophical um, um, attack points to try to get Mitch matches on the edge mm-hmm. using Tariq Cohen um, um, angle routes, arrow routes, yep. shoot routes, um, um, quick releases to the flat, um, allowing a wide receiver to block the linebacker or getting the linebacker's way while you do uh, bubble screens, um, using Tariq Cohen as a, as a, as a in, you know, jet motion, similar to how we use uh, Cheetah to try to get our linebackers or our, our run gaps misplaced so then they can uh, run downhill um, and get us out of our run gaps. So some of the same motion and shifts that you see the Kansas City Chiefs use when it comes to um, – um, Miko Hardman and uh, Tariq Hill, we might see similar things being used by Anthony Miller or by Tariq Cohen or somebody with the Bears. So in a lot of ways, we're going to see some mirror sh- uh, images on the shift in motion packages because of the process of getting those mismatch um, um, on defenders with uh, better skilled offensive players against our, uh, what most people think, are weaker defenders. 
Again, this edition of the Defending the Kingdom is named uh, Dueling with Disciples, and that's familiarity breeds respect, not contempt. Uh, as we close out this third quarter, though, and talking about finding unicorns on thunderclouds, uh, I put this out on Twitter earlier this week. You talked about learning from the Titans game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this leads into how we're going to close this out uh, because I'm going to ask you about Terrell Suggs and what he can add to the Chiefs. If the Chiefs can get the two seed, this is predicated on the Bills beating New England on Saturday, right? But let's say the Chiefs can get to the two seed. Take that hypothesis. You realize losing to the Titans helped the Chiefs? <laughs> it put them in the waiver position that's right, to that's be right. able to get Terrell Suggs. If they don't, he's going to get claimed by somebody else. So here's Suggs. Um, and at the defensive end position for the Kansas City Chiefs, Emmanuel Ogba did a great job this year. Tears his pec. Same position, Alex Okafor doing a great job for the Chiefs. Tears his pec. Same injury, same spot. Mm-hmm. But what can you do to fill it in this late? And Devon Harris has done a good job. Wait a minute. You've got Suggs, and you can put him in there. So if you get to the two seed, there's putting you know the best – construction on the Titan loss. What can Suggs help this dude to help this team? Man, you mentioned that waiver claim process. It's so intricate. Um, I had so many people hit me up on Twitter, on different Facebook feeds. How does it work? When does he When does he pass waivers? Why didn't uh, uh, he wanted to go to the Ravens? How come their claim was not valuable? All these different things. Uh, make sure you go to our website, look at all the stuff that BJ Kissel is doing. He, he breaks down that waiver claim process better than anybody I've ever seen besides the NFL football operations website. So look at that. It tells about the nuances, about what, what teams were positioned where. Um, yes, if we had beat the Tennessee Titans, then that waiver claim would have went to the Seattle Seahawks or it might have <laughs> went to the uh, San Francisco 49ers. So, uh, yes, one Terrell Suggs, T-Sizzle, might have been back there replacing um, uh, D Ford with the 49ers. And if we had one more win – um, so it was, it's, it's, it's one of those things, right? It's, it's, the, it's the nectar of the gods. Sometimes things <laughs> happen for a reason. You don't look back. Um, each game is viable. You try to win. You try to play your best. But right now, right here in this moment in time, we were able to claim T-Sizzle, a Hall of Fame all-time, one of the top guys in, in sacks. Uh, I think he's only three or four away from moving up to the next rank. Um, um, is getting sacks. And for him to come into Chiefs' kingdom – with the, you see the amount of respect he has for Coach Andy Reid, the amount of respect he has for Pat Mahomes. He wanted to be a part of something. Even before just a few games, he saw greatness in the air. He saw where this team is headed. And he knew that was something that um, could benefit from his Hall of Fame status being added to it. Um, I see nothing but a benefit of having that type of resume added into your defensive locker room. Um, if there was one thing that we were short of, if you talk about the Chiefs' defense, is – championship pedigree guys that actually have been to the Super Bowl knows what it like to be preparing for the Super Bowl getting ready for it um, um, and then the mentality you need to go into that game so that's somebody who has that he's been there he's been to the show he's won it all he can speak from a personal level to our players that our other leaders can't Chris Jones can't speak about it because he don't know about it um um I'm Honey Badger, as great of a leader as he is, there are certain things that you can only speak from from personal experience. So that value in itself is more than worth the 350000 whatever was worth left on that contract um, to get him here for two more weeks. I think that was a, 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 a wonderful move by Brett Veach and Coach Reed um, to get somebody of that quality into the fold right now at the end of the season. 
Spags talked about that very thing this week of just what he brings to the room uh, and that edge of knowing how to get there. And Spags has been there too. He's been at the uh, the Golden Ring. But uh, again, the Chiefs have to get the two seed for this to work. But you can go back and look at my tweet uh, because losing that Titan game could have given the Chiefs they get a two seed and Suggs. Um, you talk about it. I said unicorns on thunderclouds. Also said on that tweet, is it manure? Or is it fertilizer? <laughs> okay. So, uh, but that's the way Matt Nagy is with Chicago. That's yeah. why I'm saying he'll be back. He'll be fine. Just be cool here, Bear Nation. He's going to be, and he's going to use this week as the start of next season. All right. We go to the fourth quarter in our final portion of this Defending the Kingdom episode, which is uh, dealing with disciples. Familiarity breeds respect. And again, it's brought to you by 360 Vodka, the official vodka of the Kansas City Chiefs. The fourth quarter is dealing with maybe where there's less familiarity, and that's with the Chicago defense now. This is an interesting defense. They have not given up, even though the Bears are 7-7 seven and seven and out of the AFC playoff chase. This is a defense that is still pretty much intact. Um, and one thing that comes off the page is that they do not give up big plays. They are second in the league in disallowing plays of 10 yards or more. Only Jacksonville's given up fewer. This is a team that makes you earn it, and the guys up front are tough. They've got some studs up there now. If Akeem Hicks plays, that's a full-grown man. So you got to deal with the Chicago defense, which is still very much intact and very much in play. Yeah, it begins to start with Mac, right? Mac is a guy who brings instant pressure. And when you talk about not giving up big plays, um, I think it becomes – they have what, what, what it takes to trust at all three levels. And we talk, it starts with Mac. Mac is a guy – if I'm on that defense, I know he's going to be a guy who sets the tone. He's going to be coming every down after your quarterback. He has to be accounted for. Teams are going to adjust to him, sometimes over-adjust, which leaves some one-on-one matchups that you can take advantage of. Um, but defensively – the, the secondary trusted, they're not going to have to cover more than two seconds. Mac is going to be there no matter what the call is, whether they bring in blitz pre- pressures, dogs, or just rushing three. If he's one of those three, the quarterback is going to be uncomfortable, if not pressured, not on the ground, within two and a half seconds. So that allows them to be very aggressive on the back end, on the back end uh, play their techniques, kind of the same thing. We talk about our defense being a trusting defense, having confidence in one another. Um, the, the position in that defense is broke down is the linebacker. Not having Trevathan in there, um, he's been one of the biggest losses because that Good leadership, um, that, that, that trust and leadership from, from that signal caller, um, and you can see he, he's, a, he's a perennial uh, Pro Bowl-type linebacker. He brings so much fire and energy. Um, I think there's been any letdown in, that, in, 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 in the three levels of that defense is at that linebacker position, and that's something we can look forward to attacking. Yeah. Kevin Pierre-Lewis is their former chief, actually. He's in there and trying to, you know, hold the fort, if you will. The secondary, though, um, is good. Kyle Fuller, Kendall Fuller's brothers on this team. You know, you Virginia Tech fans can, <laughs> can love that. One of the four Fuller brothers in the National Football League, a veteran, Prince Amukamara. You can remember him if you're a Nebraska fan. It's a decent secondary. But here's a stat that I think, you know, sometimes stats can be overrated, but this is one I don't think is as it pertains to the Bears' defense against the Chiefs. The Chiefs are number one in the National Football League in how many points they've scored outside the red zone. Okay, let's think about the McCole Hardman pass um, a couple of weeks ago against New England. Um, let's think about the pass to Tyree Kill of 41 yards against the Broncos. Those are beyond the red zone. Those are plays of 20 yards or more to score. Chiefs are number one in the league. 
This team, the Bears, have allowed only 43 points outside the red zone, mm. meaning this is a strength meeting a strength. Yeah. And uh, so, to me, you're going to have to earn these big plays, and you may have to be patient against these guys, but this is a team that doesn't necessarily allow easily the 50-yard just heave it up, and there's McCall Hardman for a touchdown. You're not going to see a bunch of breakdowns on the back end, no blown coverages, defenders. We talked about uh, seeing this past weekend some defenders running into each other and giving up touchdowns. You're not going to see that when it comes to the Bears' defense. But what you have to do is you have to be able to find and locate and know where Mack and Fuller is on every snap. Uh, both of those guys are, are so phenomenal at – uh, making big plays, they're big, big, big primetime players. But then also you have to turn around and you have to know where where you can attack. You can attack the Prince um, from Nebraska, and you can attack Pierre Lewis. Um, even though he was a guy that served his time here in the kingdom, he's moved on. Um, he's not a a true uh, starting quality um, linebacker, and he if he has some detriments, if he has some weaknesses, it's the coverage ability. He does. He attacks to run well. He's a striker. He's a thumper. He hits. He sheds. But his coverage, he loses his leverage on angle routes. He can't, you know, uh, follow receivers, running backs uh, beyond five yards, so he gets lost in coverage sometimes. So I think those two positions is where uh, Coach Reed's staff and the offensive philosophy can, I mean, time and time again, when they need a first down, we talk about how effective Kelsey is, and you're talking about a guy named uh, Pierre Lewis trying to cover a guy uh, like Kelsey coming as hot as he is. I think that's a first down whenever you want it. Um, and they just don't have the speed on the back end to be able to stay up with the cheetah. All right, final thing. We're going a little bit overtime here. So we're in overtime of this edition of the uh, Defending the Kingdom podcast. Familiarity breeds respect, dealing with disciples, and it has to deal with special teams. I can't just let it go because Cordell Patterson is sitting back there oh, taking yeah. back kicks for the Chicago Bears. If you want to just, hey, why are you going there? Go back and watch the AFC Championship game. His kick return got everything started for New England. The chance, there's a chance to tackle him at the 15. We went back this well, – this is a summertime thing. Mm-hmm. You and I talked about this. There was a chance to tackle him at the 15. Patterson got loose and got to the 38. When I'm calling the play-by-play of this game shop, in my mind, all the calculations are going on of how much better now the Patriots' chance to score is from the 15, which I don't think they would have scored, to the 38 yes. where that thing started. Cordell Patterson can be a game wrecker as a returner. He's got a 102-yard uh, kickoff return for a touchdown this season. Former Hutch Blue Dragon, been around the, from the Chiefs' kingdom playing juco ball. But this guy now has to be accounted for because Cordell Patterson wants to take every kick he can find to the house. Yeah, Coach Tobes, is, I mean, he's going to take it personal because it's a family affair. Um, not only father his personal son. <laughs> not only by being a father, but it's a family affair because he used to be back with the Bears himself. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he wants to go there and show – um, how much his, his his special teams has progressed and been able to be a difference maker. Uh, you know, the Bears special teams going to take a lot of pride at uh, um, trying to come in there and 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 put a little put. Put, put a little dullness on Coach Tobe's shine when it comes to being one of the premier special teams coaches in the league um, over the last decade. Um, but I think we have the return, guys. Um, obviously, um, congratulations to McCole Hartman being voted. Yep. Um, return Jet Pro Fuel. Bowl player Jet Fuel. Uh, we got a number of guys that can get back there and do some things. Um, I think the, the one phase of our special teams that people haven't really given the credit to is our blocks. Uh, to be able to block kicks, uh, block um, field goals, block punts. Um, we're getting a lot of pressure um, that is just that close, a fingernail away 
from being a big play turnover. Uh, so I think that that might be the phase of our special teams that we see get unleashed uh, Sunday night versus the Bears. May win this week. All right. He's Sean Barber, Barber Shop, uh, the Spider-Man Shop. Uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas, Chris, Christmas to you, my friend. And uh, we'll be get, heading to Chicago. Chiefs against the Bears. A lot of an intrigue to this one. A lot of familiarity. Remember, it breeds respect. Dealing with disciples. Thanks for joining us. Brought to you by 360 Vodka. And again, to all of you throughout the Chiefs kingdom and beyond, happy holidays and Merry Christmas. I'm Mitch Holtis, Voice of the Chiefs. Thanks for listening to the Chiefs official podcast network. Ten, five, touchdown! Lock it down! And the celebration begins in a...